All right. Thank you for your patience. Let's get started. So, um, a little bit of overview, really quick. Um, I feel like today is is a bit like when you're watching a TV show and they show you the things that have been happening over the entire season that uh, is relevant to this episode. So, previously on biblical overview, we've been talking about um, the overview of the in- entire Bible, so we get a good uh, big picture view of that. Um, the Bible can be broken down into eight chapters, and we have talked about um, uh, creation, uh, the patriarchs, how there was the fall, and um, because sin entered the world, God started his rescue plan, and he started that through a man named Abraham and his descendants, making a, a promise to him that they would be numerous. We talked about the escape there um, when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and how God used Moses to bring them to the promised land. We talked about... Um, During that time that God made a covenant with the people, that if they follow God, they would be blessed, that he would go before them and take care of them and fight for them. But if they worshiped other gods and they they turned from him, that um, he wouldn't be with them and they may eventually go into exile. Um, During the time of the judges, when the people were in the promised land, they were going through that cycle of apostasy where they would follow God. Then they would turn away, worship idols. Then the other God would let other nations come in and oppress them. They would um, turn, cry out to God. God would raise up a judge or eventually a king to um, to save them. And uh, they would praise God and then they would go back and do it all over again. Um, the United Kingdom, that was with David and Solomon, and the kingdom was all together. Um, but then, um, then because of their sin, God divided the kingdom, Judah and Benjamin in the south, and uh, the rest of the ten tribes in the north um, were then Israel, and the south was Judah. Um, and then because of continued sin, they went into exile, which is the captivity. And then we've also talked about the return and rebuilding when the exiles came back to Judah and they were rebuilding the walls and the temple. So that's a bit of what we've talked about so far. And, um, so this is, uh, just a reminder here because this is important today, um, the, that this is just a map again, so you've got it in your mind. Judah was the um, two tribes in the south became Judah, ten tribes in the north became Israel. And we've talked about the different empires, and that's also important to remember for today, the different empires that came and and oppressed them. So Assyria came first, and they um, conquered the northern kingdom of Israel, And then Babylon came and conquered Assyria, and Babylon took Judah, and then Persia came and conquered Babylon, and Persia was the ones that let them go back and start, um, you know, go back to Judah again. So these are just different things that are good to know. So today we are going through the prophetic books, and so that means we are going through um, all of these right here. So in symbolic of that, because, you know, there's a lot to go through today. So I wore shoes today, as tennis shoes, as symbolism. <laughs> we are going to be running through this um, quickly. 
It's a lot to cover. So hang with me, and uh, here we go. So first we need to start with the definition of a prophet. So just kind of a basic definition of a prophet is a prophet is a messenger of God. They hear what God is saying for others and proclaim it. The Old Testament prophets were like alarm clocks. When Israel was being unfaithful to the covenant between them and God, God would send a prophet to wake them up and call them back to faithfulness. Um, and, you know, calling them to repent. Not everyone likes alarm clocks, and not everyone liked the prophets. In fact, usually they didn't like the prophets, and um, didn't they didn't want to wake up. So the word that the prophets gave to the people was called an oracle. So that prophetic word was called an oracle. And this message from God often began with, us says the Lord, or, um, or variations of that. Um, or the, um, or the word of the Lord, you know, it'll start with the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah. Um, the books don't always say how God spoke to the prophets, but sometimes it was in a dream or a vision or just to say the word of the Lord came to them. There are four main types of oracles. Um, indictment, which tells someone what they did wrong. Judgment, um, tells what will happen as a result of what they've done instruction, and there aren't too many of these instruction oracles in the Old Testament because Israel had the law of Moses for instruction, and aftermath, which was um, end-time judgment, hope for the future, blessing for the whole world, and the rescue plan. So this is an Old Testament prophecy. Regarding the predicting of the future, um, prophets are messengers of God, and they're just sharing the message of the one who makes the plans. So the messenger isn't predicting the future, they're telling the plans of the one who made the future. Um, so don't get too wrapped up in uh, future telling. Sometimes plans are revealed in advance, and there's no magic to it. God's just telling what he already knows that he's going to do. So in the Bible... Um, the prophetic books are divided into two sections, and we have the major prophets, and we have the minor prophets here. And um, it's not like a major minor league of prophets. They all heard from God. Um, they're just divided by the size of their books. So the major prophets, their books are longer, and the minor prophets, their books are, are shorter. Um, the prophets of the major and minor books span over 300 years, and most of the prophecies have already been fulfilled. Um, the prophets lived during uh, the historical period that we've already talked about. Um, so they're at the end of the Old Testament, but they really overlap with um, with this you know time frame here that we've already talked about all of that history. The, um, so it's hard to understand the prophetic books if you just read them casually. Um, but if you understand what's going on at the time of the prophet, then it'll be easier to understand what the prophet is saying and why. And we'll see. I don't know that you can, I don't know if you can read this well or not. We'll see. 
Um, I'm going to be going back to this a lot. This is what we use in my classroom because uh, we use this What's in the Bible series, which has inspired a lot of the teaching here. Um, and so this kind of shows, and we'll come back to this often, but it shows um, up here the books of the prophets. And this is when the different prophets um, arrived in there. And then this is the time span of years. This one doesn't have it labeled, but this square section here, this is the time of the Assyrians, this is the time of the Babylonians, and this is the time of the Persians when they came in. So that just kind of helps to, I couldn't find a better one when I Googled that really just showed it really simply and concisely. So first we're going to talk about, oops, let me go back to where Isaiah is because we're going to talk about Isaiah. So Isaiah is here and we're going to talk about the book of Isaiah. Um, the book of Isaiah has 66 chapters. God spoke through Isaiah between 740 and 690 BC. So for about 50 years was his time of ministry. Isaiah lived during the time when the northern kingdom of Israel was taken into exile by Assyria. But he died before Jerusalem was destroyed and the people were taken into exile by Babylon. Isaiah warned the kings and people of Judah that because of their unfaithfulness to God, that trouble would be coming to them. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And um, so this is just one example of what he told the people. And um, and uh, therefore the Lord, the Lord's anger burns against his people. His hand is raised and he strikes them down. The mountains shake and the dead bodies are like refuge in the street. So, you know, he was just there telling them the Lord's angry. His time is coming. You've been warned and, um, you know, you will be going into exile. But Judah didn't turn from their wicked ways. And so... Um, uh, yeah, they didn't turn. God told them that eventually Cyrus would let them go back and rebuild Jerusalem. Um, I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. I will make all his ways straight. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free, but not for a price or reward, says the Lord Almighty. Um, so remember Cyrus was the king of Persia that had conquered or that had, um, yeah, they had conquered Babylon and he, uh, let them, let the Jews go back to, um, rebuild Jerusalem. So, uh, the, you know, and Isaiah is prophesying this, you know, hundred plus years before that's even, even happened. So, um, the book of Isaiah is weaved with warnings of destruction and hope for after the exile and beyond, and it's really layered. Um, a word for the exiles returning to Jerusalem can also have meaning for the lost exiles of the world, people now coming to Christ, and ultimately um, us coming to God's holy city of Zion when Christ returns. And it can all just overlap and have meaning for all of all of that all at the same time. Um, Isaiah's prophecies about the coming of the, uh, prophesies about the Savior, excuse me, Isaiah prophesies about the Savior coming, uh, quite a bit. And it's really amazing to see him talk about Jesus coming 700 years before Jesus was born. 
And uh, here's an example for, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And Isaiah 52 and 53 has more to say about the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, God makes a new covenant with his people. Uh, To me, this is like the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. So, um, in Christ... We are a part of this covenant of peace with God that we no longer need to be afraid of his wrath um, like he had you know, during the times of the Israelites, that that is taken care of in Christ. So praise God. This, is, this says here, so when we're afraid that God is angry with us all the time, he is not. This is, you know, Jesus is that new, new covenant. Um, he has uh, taken that wrath on for us on the cross. So... The book of Isaiah um, really needs to be read in the light of the whole Bible. When you read Israel's history and the New Testament, it helps you to understand Isaiah. And also the opposite. Reading Isaiah helps you understand the history and the New Testament. And really, um, many of the prophetic books are that way. So Isaiah is mostly poetry. And as we talked about last week, um, this helps you to understand how to read Isaiah. And again, most of the prophetic books. Um, chapters 1 through 39 of Isaiah mostly talks about Isaiah's own time of dealing with kings, the kings of Judah and warning them about the coming trouble from Assyria and Babylon. And in chapters 40 to 55, Isaiah is talking to the Jews in exile in Babylon. And, um, you know, and that's coming way before, you know, a hundred years before they would even be in exile. And in chapters 56 to 66, Isaiah writes to future generations of God's people after the exile. Um, so from the book of Isaiah, we learn that God is holy and he will judge sin, but also that God is the one that can save us. The Lord is our salvation, which is also meaning the meaning of the name Isaiah. The Lord is our salvation. So, and that's what he, he talks about. So Isaiah tells us that God can save us through the Messiah, a savior that's for everyone, not just Israel. So moving on to Jeremiah. And um, Jeremiah lived here. So he came after. Um, there's 52 chapters in the book of Jeremiah. God spoke through Jeremiah from about 626 to 586 B.C., um, Jeremiah had a tough life um, and lived at a tough time. Everything was changing. The Babylonians were taking over the Assyrian Empire, and Jeremiah saw many of his fellow Jews taken away to Babylon or killed, and he saw Jerusalem and the temple destroyed. God had Jeremiah preach warnings to Judah for more than 40 years, but no one listened to him. Um, During a time of peace, Jeremiah let Judah know that trouble was coming unless they repented and turned from their wicked ways. 
Um, but no one listened. People from many nations will pass by this city and will ask one another, why has the Lord done such a thing to this great city? And the answer will be, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God and have worshipped and served other gods. So he told them, you know, there'll be so much shame will be brought onto this city because of how you're behaving. Um, but the children, or the, the Israelites, people of Judah, they chose to listen to the false prophets instead. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says, you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say, no harm will come to you. So the, the false prophets, you know, would say, um, oh no, you'll have peace. No harm will come to you, you know, even though they're being stubborn and, and everything. Just, oh, don't worry about it. We'll be fine. Things will stay on peaceful. And Jeremiah was saying, no, things aren't going to be this way. But the people chose to listen to the false prophets instead because they wanted to be comfortable. Um, but Jeremiah kept speaking God's messages, even though he was persecuted and imprisoned. He was very faithful to God. And Jeremiah loved the people of Judah, even... Um, though he was treated badly and he prayed for them even when God told him not to. Um, finally, all of his warnings came true and they were taken into exile. Jeremiah brings the good news that one day God will bring a new covenant with Judah and Israel. And instead of learning God's word from priests and prophets, God's word would be written on our hearts. God's word would be alive in us, not just written down in a book. This is the covenant I will make with the people Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So now we'll move on to the to the next book. As I go... It gets shorter and shorter that I talk about each prophet. I talk about Isaiah longer. But there is a lot of repetition. They're all kind of saying the same thing to the, to the people of Judah and Israel. Um, so the next book is Lamentations. Lamentations is not a prophet. Um, Lamentations is the only book in the prophet section um, that isn't a prophet, and, but it's believed to be written by Jeremiah, which is why it's next to Jeremiah. Um, if you remember from last week, uh, lament is a type of writing. Lament means that someone was sad or in trouble and they wrote a passionate song or poem to bring their troubles to God. So lamentation is a whole book full of laments about the loss and destruction of Jerusalem and its people. And, um, that's why it was believed to be written by Jeremiah because he was there during the destruction of Jerusalem. So here's just one verse from there, the very beginning. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she, who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. And so the whole book is is sadness about Jerusalem. The next book is Ezekiel. And Ezekiel, Ezekiel is here. Um, during the time of uh, transitioning from Babylon to, my mind is going blank. <laughs> Persia, thank you. I kept wanting to say Assyria, and I'm like, nope, that's not Assyria. Persia. Um, 
So Ezekiel prophesied at the same time as Jeremiah, uh, 593 BC to 571 BC. He was younger than Jeremiah and was in the first group of Jews that were carried off to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. Ezekiel warned the Jews in Babylon that bad things were about to happen um, back home and uh, because Jerusalem still hadn't been destroyed. God commanded Ezekiel to act out some of these messages with prophetic symbolism, which is what inspired me to wear my shoes today, although God didn't specifically tell me to wear my tennis shoes today, but maybe the Holy Spirit inspired me to do it. Uh, in chapters 4 to 5, there's a detailed description of one of the accounts. Um, uh, God told, this is, uh, this is bef- um, so God had told Je- uh, Ezekiel, sorry, God had told Ezekiel to use different things to build um, just kind of like a model of Jerusalem being under siege. And then he was to be tied up and lay next to this for 390 days on one of his sides to represent Israel and um, 40 days on his other side to represent Judah. And during that time, he, uh, this is what he had to eat. Eat the food as you would a loaf of barley bread. Bake it in the sight of people using human excrement for fuel. The Lord said, in this way, the people of Israel will eat defiled food among the nations where I will drive them. And uh, Ezekiel said, I've never eaten defiled things before. I can't do this. And the Lord said, well, you can cook it over cow manure then. And so God had him do these different things and act these different things out to show um, Judah what would happen. And um, uh, he also had to act like he was going into exile. So I did as I was commanded. During the day, I brought out my things packed for exile. Then in the evening, I dug through the wall with my hands. I took my belongings out at dusk, carrying them on my shoulders while they watched. So God told him, get dressed like you're going into exile so the people will see what it's like and dig through the wall. And he had to do this over and over again. These are just a few examples, and there's many more. And you can read the book of Isaiah to find out more. Overall, in chapters 1 to 24, um, of Ezekiel, it shows that God will be revealed in the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. Chapters 25 to 32 teach that the nations will know who God is by his judgments, and chapters 33 to 48 promise that God will be known by the restoration and spiritual renewal of Israel. So again, God talks about his everlasting covenant. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers, and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. So there's so much more to the book of Ezekiel. Um, Yeah, there's a lot to it. Um, Symbolism for what was happening and God's heart that he would be known and acknowledged. Um, At least 65 different times, God says a variation of the phrase, then they will know that I am the Lord. And we will, whoo, we might go just a little bit over today, but we'll keep moving. Daniel. Daniel is here. Daniel was taken to Babylon in 605 BC by Nebuchadnezzar. He spent his whole life there living and working in the royal court. There are 12 chapters in Daniel. Um, You probably know a lot about the book of Daniel if you read Bible stories growing up. Um, The first six chapters are about Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, 
Nebuchadnezzar built this um, idol. They were to bow down to it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't, so they got thrown into the fiery furnace, and there was one in there with them that was like the son of God. Um, so Nebuchadnezzar had them told them to come back out, and um, for a time, Nebuchadnezzar even praised God. But again, he turned around. There's a lot of fun stories in Daniel, fun, fun stories in Daniel, interesting stories in Daniel. So um, you can go ahead and read more of that. God helped Daniel explain dreams for the different kings that he was under. After the Medes and Persians captured Babylon, King Darius became king, and um, that was where uh, his advisors told him you know, to set a decree out for everyone to pray, um, only to King Darius. Daniel wouldn't, and he got thrown into the lion's den, and God shut the lion's mouth and saved him. Daniel has several visions for the future. Um, kings and kingdoms that would follow the Persians and Medes and visions about the return of Jesus. In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So there is a lot of symbolism in the book of Daniel, and his visions always show God as triumphant. Um, And he is the last of the major prophet section. And so now... We're going to go to this section, but we'll be moving faster than we did the other ones. So the next book is Hosea. Hosea lived, um, oh goodness, I lost him. Oh, here he goes. Hosea is here. And um, Hosea lived in the northern kingdom of Israel around 750 BC. He spoke oracles of judgment, warning Israel what would happen if they kept worshiping other gods. And God told him to marry an unfaithful woman as an example of Israel being unfaithful to God. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness in the Lord. And so God spoke through Hosea, and when his wife left him, God told him to go and bring her back again, just like God brought Israel and the people of the world back to him. The next book is Joel, and um, we aren't sure where... um, Joel lived or when he was when he was in there but it's possible he is not on this one never mind on this other sheet that I have they have Joel uh, in this area here possibly Um, So there are only uh, three chapters in Joel, and he describes a swarm of locusts that has destroyed Judah's crops and there's a call for a return to the Lord Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. So he wants them to change their heart, not just show outward um, mourning and change. He also talks about the future day of the Lord. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. 
And um, Peter quotes this on the day of Pentecost, and it's just another talking about the future future day of the Lord and times that we're living in now and will yet be yet to come. And uh, hope of restoration is giving, uh, restoring the years that the locusts have eaten. So restoring that. We are going to go to Amos, and I'm going to get a quick drink of water. You guys hanging in with me okay? Yeah, okay, good. Okay, so Amos was one of the first prophets in this group right here. And uh, he was sent to the northern kingdom of Israel around 760 BC. At the time of Amos, Israel and Judah were both enjoying great prosperity. Um, but it was also a time of idolatry and extravagance, immorality and oppression of the poor. So people would have multiple houses and fancy things, but um, they were hurting the poor in order to get it. This is what the Lord says, for three sins of Israel, even four, I will not relent. They sell the innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. So they were oppressing the poor and selling them so that they would have money to buy the fancy things that they wanted. Um, Israel and Judah were waiting for the day of the Lord when God would punish all their enemies. And Amos shocks everyone by saying that the day of the Lord would actually be punishment for Israel. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. So he was talking about the exile to come because they just thought God was going to wipe out the enemies and God's saying, no, you're not following me. I'm going to use your enemies to take you away. So Amos talks mostly about justice and that Israel would go into exile, but that there was hope for them in the future. The next book is Obadiah. Obadiah has only one chapter. Um, and Obadiah lived around 580 BC, BC. Where is Obadiah? Sorry, I'm losing. Here we go. Obadiah is here. Um, around 580 BC after the fall of Jerusalem. So uh, this oracle of judgment was actually against the people of Edom. And the Edomites were Judah's neighbors to the south. When Babylon attacked Judah... Um, Edom didn't help them. Uh, so they took advantage of the Jews that were escaping, and um, they would rob them and then turn them over to the Babylonians. Um, and so this was especially bad because the Edomites were the descendants of Esau, um, Jacob's brother. So remember, um, Abraham, or Isaac had Jacob and Esau, and Jacob was the the one that God continued his blessing through, but um, but he still did good for Esau, but because they did this, um, it wouldn't be good for them. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame and you will be destroyed forever. So God came against them because of that. Um, the next book is Jonah, and um, you all probably know this book. God... Um, told Jonah to go to Nineveh in Assyria. But I will point out where Jonah is first. Jonah is here. And, um, but Jonah, here we go. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah boarded the ship to Tarshish instead and was swallowed by a big fish, 
And uh, he was in the fish for three days and three nights before the fish vomited him out on dry land. And then he went to Nineveh, um, like God told him. And he told them to repent of their wickedness. And they did. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So um, the book of Jonah is a bit different as it's about a prophet and not just the words or an oracle of a prophet. And it shows us that God wants everyone to have a chance to repent. Moving on to the book of Micah. Micah shows up uh, at the same time as Isaiah. Here we go right up here. And, um, He tells the southern kingdom of Judah that they need to be just and fair to the poor. And this is about 20 years after Amos had told the same thing to the northern kingdom. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So reminding them to be merciful. The book also contains words of warning and hope for the Messiah, just like the other books did. Um, the books of Nahum, Habakkuk, or some people say Habakkuk, um, Zephaniah, uh, they can all kind of go together. Um, they are here, Habakkuk, Nahum, and Zephaniah. Um, they all prophesied in Judah after the fall of the northern kingdom. Nahum brings an oracle of judgment against Nineveh for their sin and cruelty. A few years later, Habakkuk Uh, cries out to God about the wickedness of Judah and not understanding how God can tolerate um, the wickedness that's happening around him. And when God told Habakkuk that he was going to use Babylon to bring correction to Judah, Habakkuk was even then more uh, perplexed. And uh, he told God, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than than themselves? So he was saying like, yeah, there's evil around me, but you're using people that are even more evil to come against your people um, that are doing evil things. But God has a plan, and in the end of Habakkuk, uh, he rejoices in the Lord um, that God has a plan. Zephaniah talks about the day of the Lord, um, good news and blessing for those who have stayed true to God, and bad news and judgment for those who have not. As you can see, it's a common theme throughout all the prophets, and you hear all of this, and the people still didn't listen, even though they were hearing all of these people say this over these years. Haggai and Zechariah, um, they were both around 520 BC, um, right here, Haggai and Zechariah, um, when the Jews were rebuilding the temple after the exile. So Haggai encourages Jerusalem and their leaders to finish the work on God's temple instead of building up wealth and fancy houses for themselves. He also speaks of the coming of Jesus. And then God uses Zechariah to prophesy about the glorious future of God's people and the Messiah and to call the people back to the Lord. The Lord was very angry with your ancestors. Therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. And after the temple is rebuilt in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, we find the last prophet, Malachi, the last book of the Bible, or best book of the Old Testament. Um, And uh, Malachi is here. 
Malachi tells the people of Judah to stick to the covenant and to be true to God, even when they don't have a Davidic king anymore. Um, even though the new temple doesn't compare to the old one, God is still their God, and uh, they are still his people. Don't give up doing what is right. Um, they're still the key to the blessing that will come to the whole world. So the promise made to Abraham, um, that promise that was made to Abraham almost 2,000 years earlier, judgment and blessing was coming. And we come to the end of the Old Testament. Yay, we made it. So um, it's kind of like the end of the Old Testament is like a cliffhanger. Israel is waiting for the Messiah, um, God's solution and answer to his rescue plan. And they are waiting for someone to rescue them from this problem of sin. And the prophets spoke to the issues of their day. And if we take time to listen to what they're saying, um, they can speak to the issues of our day as well. They remind us of God's priorities and values and hope in Christ and for his return. Next week, BJ is going to talk about the intertestamental uh, period, the 400 years of history between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and uh, between the books of Malachi and Matthew. And then I will be back for two weeks after that and um, do to do the overview of the New Testament. And we made it. <laughs> this was a journey, seven weeks through the Old Testament. Sorry, I'm like... Taking a break from talking so much. Okay, and let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your plan. We thank you for your people, Israel. We thank you for using them as part of your plan to bring salvation to the world and that we can be part of that and that we're part of that family now too. We thank you, Lord, that we no longer have to be afraid of your wrath when we sin because we can't sin is all around us and we fall every day and we thank you lord that we don't have to be afraid of your wrath we thank you jesus for taking that wrath on the cross for us that we can come to you we thank you for your love and your forgiveness we thank you for the life you give us and you are good in jesus name amen